are back with another episode of JR Takes. And uh, some good news, some bad news across the world of sports. Seahawks, obviously, dropping another one against Dallas. A little bit of a bummer, but uh, the Huskies won the Pac-12 championship on Friday. That was pretty awesome to see. Thank God for the Huskies right now, man. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the Mariners making yet another uh, subtraction on the the team. So we'll get to that later. But first and foremost, that Dallas game. Yikes. Yeah. um, I mean, we'll get into the details later, but this is shaping up to be one of my least favorite NFL seasons I think I've ever watched. (laughs) Just a quick recap of how the last month and a half has gone. Uh, Seahawks are five and two. First place in the division. 49ers go on a three-game skid. We're on top of the world. We make a trade for Leonard Williams, who is a great player. Right. But we give up a second-round pick mm-hmm. because we're in win-now mode and we're trading a future asset. Since then, we've gone one and four. We have blown three fourth-quarter leads. We have gotten blown out twice, one of them at home. We have lost to the Cowboys in prime time, and we got swept by the Rams. And the 49ers look like they're going to win the Super Bowl easily, and Brock Purdy is going to win MVP throwing checkdowns to Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. This is my own personal hell that we're living in right now. <laughs> I, I am pretty miserable. But, yeah, backing up to the 49ers, or sorry, that's this next daunting task in front of us. But this game against the Cowboys, honestly, I was so encouraged by the way we came out just firing on offense in this mm-hmm. game looking like the team that we can be on offense that we've you know shown glimpses of like against Detroit in week two right. uh, against the Panthers they looked pretty good but this was an elite defense in Dallas that they're playing against and they're lighting them up going up and down the field with ease mm-hmm. hitting Metcalf on that beautiful slant where DK just takes off and runs like almost 22 and a half miles per hour yeah that was awesome in and also doing it in primetime in the throwbacks, it was it was beautiful. And it just this game had the feeling basically from the get go of okay, we're this is where we turn the season around, we're gonna win this game. Right. It just it just felt that way from the get go. Um and these fucking officials, man. Holy <laughs> shit. It's not just me and you and Seahawks fans bitching. And there's bad calls, you know, in favor of the Seahawks or not no calls as well. Like it's just the inconsistency and the impact the officials are having on the game this season is beyond fucking unacceptable. I was talking with um, my coworker who's a Cowboys fan. We were talking about the uh, officiating, and we were both – he kind of mentioned, and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I kind of agree with that, is if they throw flags all game, it almost seems like if they decide to call the game like that early on, then they're just going to do it all game. But, like, some games will have – they'll just let us play mm-hmm. and we'll get no flags one flag if that and it just makes me wonder like is it like are we undisciplined or is it like is it the official like what is going on here? i think it's the fucking officials man because it's not like just look at the kansas city green bay game last night and how they totally botched like major calls down the stretch in that game too it's happening over and over again and and most of the games we're watching this year no matter who's playing it's just the the pass interference i know we kind of did a segment on this a few weeks back against the the browns or maybe it was the rams game 
you could really talk about either of those games with how bad the refs were. But, right. man, that P.I. on Tariq Woolen with C.D. Lamb downfield was just so fucking, like, there's nothing there. He basically doesn't touch him. Yeah. If you're calling that, that's... Are you talking about the play where he jumps up and then he, like... no. I mean, even on that one, that still wasn't really pass interference. I'm talking about the one where Tariq literally just had his hand on CD's... Oh, on his waist or whatever? Yeah, yeah. and did, didn't did interfere with CD at all. CD just didn't catch the pass. Mm-hmm. And then they just give a, a free 50-yard play. And then the one on Bobby was so fucking terrible. The ball's way off target, and Bobby hits him after the ball's already passed his hand. And that's a pass interference penalty it's just it's so ridiculous and i'm not giving us a a pass for how bad we played on defense but they just something's got to give man well and it's unfortunate too because we had 10 penalties and they had nine so you can't like someone that isn't uh you know homer or a seattle fan is just going to look at the overall box score and say how could the refs be in favor of one side or the other or botched the game that bad when the penalty differential was one. Um, but it was the timing uh, yeah. of the penalties. Like, if you watched the game, you would know. Like, I think there was a couple times when even Al Michaels was making jokes about He did. Cleet. Yeah, he's like, I'm just going to let Cleet talk. Yeah. Because yeah, it's, so. it's his show tonight or something like that. I forget what he said, but it was something to that effect. Yeah, and it's like the refs want to make this whole damn fucking NFL season about them or something. It's like... Nobody That's wants to see them. Yeah. Nobody wants to hear you talk. Yeah. The best NFL games are when they just let the games play out and call the obvious shit, you know? Yeah. If a guy's going like this, getting held on the defensive line, call that. Mm-hmm. Then no one's going to bitch about it. If a guy like, you know, the Rams and the Saints a few years back in 2017 playoffs, if a receiver gets straight up tackled like they're playing nfl blitz 99 before Mm -hmm. the ball gets there yeah i call a penalty but you know the little like hand fighting and shit just that that's football like stop it with the penalties yeah but yeah just aside from the officiating um the offense got off to such a red hot start gino is looking like 2022 early season Geno. He looked great. That was one of the best quarterbacking performances by really anyone this year. That was, uh, considering the opponent and how good that uh, Dallas secondary has been, uh, Deron Bland got that one pick, which was just a great play by him. And really, we shouldn't be, at this stage of Lockett's career, I don't think that kind of route with you know little separation is a good idea to target him because he's just he's not going to win those you know, 50-50 balls like he might have been able to in his younger years. But beyond that, Bland was getting torched by DK in particular. And some of the throws Gino had, his best throw of the night didn't end up counting, which I thought was kind of dumb. But the uh, JSN touchdown, not touchdown, right before uh, the first half ended, Mm -hmm. that was such an awesome throw. It was off his back foot, like 45 yards down the field to the sideline, just perfectly thrown ball. Real quick, I I wanted to say uh, that that uh, first catch that didn't count that he had in the end zone, it was kind of weird. This weekend, I feel like made me revisit like what is a catch because his hand is underneath the ball, the ball doesn't move, but it coincide like it's simultaneously touching the ground while it's also under his hand, mm-hmm. 
And then I don't know if you saw the Trey McBride catch in the end zone. And the Brandon IU catch against the Eagles, very similar play, and they had that. I didn't stand see as a that touchdown. one, but the, it was almost the McBride identical. trade or trade. The McBride catch looked like uh, Dez's catch when they mm. said he dropped it because the ground caused the ball to move. But I don't know. It was a weird weekend of that, and I thought all the balls that were ruled not a catch were catches, including JSN. So. Mm. It was just frustrating, and that we had to score that touchdown three, three times. times. Yeah, it was a little again, ridiculous. It's just, it's just be... the inconsistency, man. Yeah. It's like it's if, if you're going to call it one way, do it consistently. But yeah. I don't want to spend this whole podcast talking about the refs, even though we right. probably could. <laughs> Fuck you, refs, is the last but thing But it's I have not to about the about refs, it. so we won't talk about them the entire Yeah, time. but <laughs> as good as the offense was in this game, and they were – certifiably awesome the entire game beyond that last two plays which we'll get into later Mm -hmm. the defense man this defense is it's beyond there's no explanation or excuse or really anything good you can say about this defense beyond like Devin Witherspoon and a handful of standouts because this is the second most expensive defense in the NFL, and they have had multiple years of high-round draft picks invested into this defense, and it's just, it fucking sucks ass. It was embarrassing seeing Jamal Adams just get absolutely torched by Jake Ferguson. I think the combo of Jamal and Diggs is the biggest overpay by any team at any position in the NFL right now, save for like Daniel Jones as quarterback for the Giants, because we're getting bottom tier objective performance out of our safeties this year, and we're spending the most on that position yeah. by a lot compared to every other team in the league. It's it's a disaster. And, you know, I, I still I'm really confident in the direction we're going building this roster with the young guys. But Same. I weirdly feel like this season on defense, it's been the veterans that have been disappointing me the most. Yeah, I've uh, it's been missed tackles for me. That's what I've noticed the most, especially out of Quandre. Like, dude, I and I feel like it's almost like I know this sounds kind of stupid to say this, but it almost seems like they're fucking going too hard. Like, that's why they're missing all these tackles. They're trying to make a big hit on, like, every play, and they're just whiffing. There has been a lot of that. And it's just like, you guys just wrap up. Why do you need to knock the player out? Yeah. Just wrap up and bring them down. There's definitely something to be said for that. And I I think of a play in this Cowboys game where Bobby just wraps a guy up, like, two yards past the line of scrimmage, and then just pushes him back, like, ten yards until they blow the whistle. He didn't you know, try to spear him or, like, lower his head into his chest yeah. or anything. He just form tackles. Can we just have Bobby – I don't know what – I'm talking out of my ass here, but just let's just have Bobby, like, run tackling drills all week at practice because – For everyone in our secondary – Yeah, Tariq Woolen, all those guys need to, like, watch him. They do. He know he knows how to wrap up and he knows how to get TFLs, and it's it's great. And um, while we're talking about Bobby, unfortunately, he's been great in run defense this year. And when he's been in position in pass defense, he's been solid. But teams are really picking on him in coverage. And it's like if if he ends up in one of those matchups where he's on a quick tight end or running back or, or receiver out of the slot, it's just a free reception for the offense every time this year. I don't know what the future is 
is going to hold for us at the linebacker position because, you know, Jordan Brooks is going to be a free agent. Bobby was just on a one-year deal. He's 33. But the, he is a liability in coverage certifiably right now. So I, it's it's a problem. And it's tough to watch because he used to be so excellent in coverage. But mm-hmm. father time, man. It's yeah. undefeated, as they say. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean... Do you want to move on to the Niners, or do you have anything to add on I this just, Cowboys game? I just kind of want to talk about you know what this Cowboys loss means big picture-wise for a minute, because sure. I think this was our last chance to really make something of this season, to be honest, just get, given the way the rest of the NFC has performed the last couple of weeks. The dynamic has really done a 180 in the last couple of weeks here, with the Packers coming alive. Now we're flat out out of the playoff picture at uh, the eighth seed in the NFC. I could see us now that Kenny Pickett went down. I granted not that Mitch Trubisky is like that much worse, but I could see us winning that game. Right. But just where we're at right now at six and six and out of the playoff picture, I think it's really uh, fair to put most of this season's woes on the coaching staff. And I I want to see some changes made. Mm -hmm. I want us to really just bring in an outside hire for defense because with Carol's defenses, it's always been internal promotions, especially uh, ever since Dan Quinn, I think. And we just haven't reached anywhere near the heights that we had in the early LLB years. And this defense has continued to be fucking horrific on third down for, you know, Multiple coordinators, multiple seasons, lots of different players. Something's got to change. It would be cool if the Jets fired Robert Sala and then we hired him as a D coordinator. That would be great. That would be awesome. I could go for that. That's what I'm kind of hoping. (laughs) Yeah, but but, uh, we're six and six. You know, a few weeks ago, we, we had a chance to just, you know, Get the easy win against the Rams and not be in such bad position when the when the gauntlet started, but we're we're over three since that, you know, monumental uh just point in the season, I guess. And it's not getting any easier. In fact it's getting harder because we got a 49ers team that we're facing this coming Sunday in Santa Clara that just looks when they're healthy, they look like the best team in the league. We're gonna lose this game. I, I mean, I'm, I mean, I don't mean to be blunt and write us off, but come on, what have they proven? What have they shown us that leads otherwise? They just throttled the Eagles in Philadelphia worse than they beat us they on blew, Thanksgiving. They blown out. <clears throat> they blown out us, Dallas and Philly. We. Those are four of the like three of the top teams in the nfc Mm -hmm. objectively and the 49ers crushed all of them the only games they've lost is when trent williams and debo were down so i i think this team is very top heavy in san fran but like that's my one criticism of them is if they get injured they're not as good which is every team but when they're healthy they look like the best team and honestly one of the best teams i've watched like it's it's top to bottom with this roster they are as complete as it gets. They remind me a lot. I mean, they remind me a lot of how we were modeled in 2013. A young mm. quarterback on his rookie contract with a bunch of fucking really elite players on the defensive side of the ball. So, I mean. The, stylistically, the offenses are quite different, but 
the general sure. the, like the way the way that they run the ball is was is different than the way we did. But, yeah, but I with, mean, with they Debo still... in particular, he's a huge weapon in that run game and the misdirection and just confusion that they cause to the defense. It's a combo of finesse and and just physicality. They I, do have it, that weird. fuck you physicality aspect of them mm-hmm. that like if if they were wearing different uniforms, I would probably love watching this team. Mm-hmm. But they're the 49ers and I hate them more than probably every other team in the league. I I kind of forgot about how much I hate the 49ers because they were bad for a while there. But yeah. now that they're good again, it's the deep-seated hate is still there but sure. now they have a quarterback too who you know i still think the guy has limitations but within the structure of the 49ers offense he's perfect for what they need to to do so mm-hmm. they're playing basically flawless football they can beat you passing over the middle again and again and again these beautifully designed screen passes they have the best running back in the league and it's really not close in Christian McCaffrey. Right. And then they just went and made a move for a guy that I was kind of hoping we'd make a move for in Chase Young. And they make the move, and people were kind of criticizing it as, oh, he's not that great of a player. Look what's happened since they've made that trade. They have been – they haven't lost. They've won every game. And we've gone one or four since then. So it's we're, – we're two teams going in opposite directions right now, and it's not – very often that Pete Carroll has a team that loses four games in a row, but how are we going to win this game? But let's try to think of a way where we can win. I think we got to cause like three turnovers. Do you think you blitz a lot against Brock? You don't just drop back in a zone. That's sure as fuck not what you do because that's what we tried in the first half on Thanksgiving. And what happened? Brock sits back there. Someone gets wide open over the middle. He hits them. Well, when we brought pressure on him, he threw a pick six. I know. So it's like we need to fucking acknowledge that game plan and go in there. Honestly, I think kind of play with nothing to lose. I think if we play a lot like how we did against Dallas, are we have a chance? Because we we brought Dallas to the fucking brink, and that's a team that hasn't lost at home, and for the last for I think this entire season they hadn't even been trailing at home at any point, and. With a little better execution in the fourth quarter, um, we probably would have won that game. And I guess we didn't talk about this, but I just got to say, not blocking Micah Parsons on the biggest play of the game, that that's – Shane Waldron called a great game, and then he does that. Well, and it's – if you watch the replay, Abraham Lucas sacks like he doesn't even exist, and then DJ Dallas is over here and steps in front of Geno – and just allows Micah Parsons to just swoop right in and make the tackle. And it's just like, yeah, I have no words. Uh, yeah, it, it's like, it'd be one thing if that was the Cowboys' like backup outside linebacker, but it's Micah fucking Parsons. It's one of the best football players on the planet in the play you have designed. And that play was run as designed, by the way. So that wasn't a mistake. Your play you designed is to leave one of the best football players on the planet unblocked to just run directly at the quarterback. You should be fired, <laughs> like plain and simple. I know I, I'm I'm not necessarily saying that Shane Waldron should be fired right now, but I just hope he takes another job in the offseason because I, I don't think – I think we could get another guy in here to do as good of a job or better with the players that we have because – 
on paper, this offense is great. You know, they we need to make some more additions in the line in the offseason, but the skill we have at wide receiver and tight end is fantastic. We have a great running back group and a quarterback that just showed he can put up really big-time performances. So it's the brain trust that's that's failing us here. But I think if we come out with pretty much the same game plan against this 49ers team that we just did against Dallas, we could keep it close. But they can't be missing tackles and committing penalties and turning the ball over. Or, like, you do any of those things and we're going to get blown out again. So... Yeah. I'm not looking forward to it, to be yeah. honest. I I really don't know what to expect on Sunday. I mean, we're either going to roll over and die or play a really good game and maybe lose in the end like we did to Dallas. But I don't know. Just trying to be realistic, not negative. But, yeah, I I don't really see a whole lot of outcomes where we win this game. Um, we're going to have to drop some sort of game plan that – we're going to have to do some trick plays, I would yeah. think. Uh, not not ones that involve DJ Dallas throwing the ball. <laughs> um, like we're we going to need Kenneth Walker back, too. If he misses this game because Charbonnet bruised his knee, if we have to start DJ Dallas... We can't win. <laughs> like, if we don't have... <laughs> if we don't have Kenneth Walker, and I'm pretty sure, what, Charbonnet's doubtful? I'm not, I mean, we do have, like, a full six days from now... So when the game starts and it's already been four or five days since we played sure. our last game, so he could be back. And we might get a full game out of Abraham Lucas, who, as we saw against the Cowboys, he's such a difference maker for our offensive line, man. If if he didn't go down this year, we would probably have another win or two. And imagine three. if they had just drawn up that play to have him block Micah Parsons. I mean, I would have liked to have seen that. Matchup. I would have rather the guy our best offensive lineman against their best defensive player. Certainly would rather have that than Micah Parsons just unblocked. Like you just kick him out and have DJ maybe pick up the guy that was right in front of Abraham. That I feel like that has a better chance of success than what they did. Yeah. Either way, this 49ers game is gonna be a loss and we're gonna drop to six and seven. I just I, I feel like it's just a waste of hope to say that we're going to win this game so i'm, I'm not going to waste it um uh, but let me this has been a lot of doom and gloom i, I want to like take a big picture look at what's happening right now we have the packers storming back into the playoff race with mm-hmm. some genuinely great football against a really good kansas city chiefs football team with a really good defense jordan love is playing really high level quarterback right now and it's kind of eerie how similar of a track he's on right now to what Aaron Rodgers did early on in his career it wasn't a great start in Green Bay people don't remember that because it was fucking 2008 but he was a little shaky to start off and then all of a sudden you're like okay this guy can play and then a couple years later he's league MVP and they go 15 and one and had just won a Super Bowl I'm not saying that's gonna happen with Jordan Love, but I'm saying like it's it looks like the guy can play. Yeah. And they have a much better defense than we do. We stupidly, stupidly, stupidly got swept by a Rams team that were just very clearly more talented than, but That's they, probably gonna be the thing that ends up ending our season. It will, because now we have a tiebreaker over nobody because we have a terrible conference record, we have a terrible division record, and they have a head to head tiebreaker over the, us. And they have a much softer schedule coming up. 
The Packers, their hardest game left was against the Chiefs. And they won. They play like the Giants, the Panthers, some really bad teams coming up. The NFC South, unfortunately, has to have a playoff team in there. And they all play each other, and they're all mid. So yeah. what looked like an NFC wildcard race that would have an 8-9 and nine participant a few weeks ago now looks like maybe you need to get 10 wins to get in. And there's no guarantee that if the Seahawks do find a way to – you know, win one against San, Fr- San Fran or Philly and then win out beyond that, even if they do that. They I still think not, that that's they, possible. I think that it's possible to do that, but they still not. They still might not get in because yeah. if the Rams are 10-7 and seven and the Packers are 10-7, and seven, we're still out. Yeah, that's and true. We're not catching Dallas by any stretch. They're, they might be fighting for a number one seed in a few weeks now if, if things shake out the right way. So all this to say, it, it, it couldn't have gone worse for us playoff standing-wise, the slate of games this weekend. And I want to kind of caution people that are you know try, trying to just say, let's blow up the entire structure of this team because I still think we're building this roster in a really great way. It might not be the worst thing in the world, to have a really good roster that, you know, has bad luck and limps out of the season at 7 and 10 and gets a top 10 draft pick. I kind of feel like this season is weirdly uh, very similar to the season the Mariners had, and I'll get to them in a little bit. But, like, we're both... I mean, I guess expectations were... Well, they were. I mean, they were high. We traded our second-round pick for Leonard Williams. We didn't obviously value that pick or think that that pick was going to be early in the second round. Um, but we're we both, we're both kind him. of uh, underachieving uh, this season. And um, I think what you were saying about cautioning people not to be like, blow up the team, whatever. I feel the way about the Seahawks that I do about the Mariners and that I think the way the team has been built is like, we need to not like, lose patience if if that makes sense mm-hmm. we need to just take this season uh, on the chin and come back i again the season's not over we can go 10 and 7 and potentially make the playoffs but do i think we're going to win this weekend no and i i don't i don't think we have good chances against the eagles but we almost beat the cowboys so you never know um but yeah, the, I the just Eagles look a lot more beatable than the 49ers do, but they're still, I mean, that defensive line is just fucking lethal. Yeah, and so I just think um this season is sort of a wash in a way. I never really thought that we were Super Bowl contenders um in the first place. I still thought, I mean, we talked about it earlier that we were maybe a year away. Um hopefully we can draft a quarterback I, I would like to um in this next draft and yeah that's that's pretty much what i got on um, as far as like my comparisons with it because i feel i just i don't know the like i said did we really have a shot at a at a super bowl do you think so I didn't think we had a shot at a Super Bowl this year. I thought the division, given the schedule this year, was was within reach. And it, it looked that way mm-hmm. after seven weeks. You know, we were number one in the standings. And, like, it, it looked like that was possible. I didn't think we would make it all the way to the big game. But you never know. But, yeah, I, I, uh, 
I feel like we're at a weird crossroads right now where we have this team that has had a couple excellent drafts in a row. There's a really good core of young talent. And you have a quarterback who is at times very good. But is he great? I don't know. It's, it's, it's really hard to say because there has been inconsistencies. You know, there's been long stretches of not that great play. And then all of a sudden there's stretches of genuinely elite play. You have a coach who has won a Super Bowl, been to another, has had overall, I believe, the best record in the NFC for the last 13 years, but he's 72, and your quarterback is 33, and these are tangible factors that play into this equation here where it's like, are these guys good? Yes. Can you win with them? Yes. Are we going to win a Super Bowl with Geno Smith and Pete Carroll? What do you think? No. Um, <clears throat> and I, I just find myself noticing like I, and agreeing a lot with fans I see across the board, whether it be, you know, reading comments on whatever post the Seahawks made and seeing what, uh, what other, what other Seahawks fans opinions are. And <clears throat> it got me thinking like, yeah, uh, someone mentioned that Pete, he, he, it takes him too long to abandon a, a bad plan and I kind of see that like I kind of agree like I, he's done a lot of great things but I have noticed like like the defense for example like the zone and the death by a thousand that's what drives me crazy mm-hmm. is like letting teams just be checked down Charlie against us and throw over the middle and having our slow linebackers cover these insanely quick slot receivers it's just like why is why am I seeing this over and over again? It it seems like nothing is changing. And if a and, fan can spot that, imagine what people who are paid to spot that are seeing. They must be excited to play against us every week because the answers are so obvious against this defense. Yeah, and it's 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 measurable how easy it is because we're we're piss poor in almost every metric and. They got four sacks against Dak Prescott, and it didn't fucking matter because they still. Give up every third down. We've been one of the worst third down defenses for years. We There's got to be a better solution there. My only issue with the prospect of moving on for either Geno or Pete is who do we get to replace them that's going to be better immediately? And that's where we could segue into um, if you want to talk a little bit about the tackle championship. Just sure. briefly. But, uh, yeah, I w- I'm thinking we draft one of those two guys that we watched on Friday. Bo or Penix? <clears throat> Bo or Penix. Bo Nix or Penix. Okay, and- follow-up question. Where do you draft them in this draft? And keep in mind, we don't have a second-round pick. And who do you prefer of those two? So I kind of have a... I kind of had a interesting theory or trade proposal that could get us the Bears pick and not the Panthers Bears um, And I was thinking earlier on the potential of maybe trading away DK uh, and moving up to get that pick and drafting a quarterback there. And this Don't is like that. Th- this is only ba- <laughs> this is only based on where the <clears throat> where the quarterbacks are going to be as far as like what the, the group think is by the time we get to April. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I, I, I don't really know where the two of them are gonna are gonna go, uh, and especially if the Huskies win win the Natty, I'm not sure if that he might go one or two. So 
I don't. Who do you mean by he? Like uh, Penix. Uh, sorry. Yeah, Penix. Because yeah, he's still playing. Um, but yeah, I. Sorry, were you gonna say? Something oh, I was just gonna say. <clears throat> I think one and two is pretty much locked into being Caleb Williams and Drake May. I really don't see any anything shaking that up between now and April. But yeah, it's interesting because. If they were to win the national championship and like get the Heisman and shit like that, like the media circus you'd have on that would be substantial and it would build a lot of hype. But you know, I think of Georgia's quarterback. I can't even remember his name. The, the uh, Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett. Yeah, that guy won two national championships. He was also 5'11", 190. So, that's true. That is true. And we're seeing how successful you can be at, with those measurables. Look at the fucking Panthers. Anyway. <laughs> I feel like the performance of Bryce Young is making Russell Wilson's career look even more amazing, honestly, because there's not a huge... I mean, Wilson's way stockier, but they're like the same height. And Kyler Murray, too. So, yeah. anywho, um, my thing with quarterbacks in this class and what this team is at right now is if we're getting a quarterback we almost certainly have to use our first round pick for it Mm -hmm. and i think the only two quarterbacks in this draft that are going to come in and immediately right now be better than geno smith would be kayla williams or drake may i think every other quarterback that we could get with that first round pick is gonna need a couple years to get to even the level that geno's at right now and i could be wrong you know you have guys like cj stroud who i don't think he's a fair measuring stick because this guy is coming in at 21 years old and having the best rookie season we may have ever seen from a qb but those kind of things have been happening more often and one thing we're seeing in a guy like brock purdy and some others who have come into the league recently is there seems to be a renaissance on the mindset of drafting quarterbacks who have just played a ton of football at college. And with a guy like Michael Penix and Bo Nix, these guys are uh, players that use the transfer portal and got out of some bad situations and played four or five seasons of college football, played in big games against big opponents. And And that's kind of why I think we could draft one of those two at like because the big names like you said caleb williams drake may i we could get those that level of product through one of those two in bonix and Penix, i think because Penix, look at the husky look at all the huskies wins this year they're undefeated and all of their wins were most of them were close like one score games Mm -hmm. and i feel like when you win like that when you're constantly overcoming adversity every week, I mean, we see the Eagles do it every week. They're not winning in blowout fashion week in and week out, but I just think there's something you can't really measure in winning close games week to week like that because it, it I feel like the team bonding from that just is so so immense. And There's definitely something to it. And I, I I just, I don't know. I look at Bo Nix. He's 24, 25 around there. He's married, similar to how Russell was when he came into the league. He just seems like a, a mature a mature young man that could probably, you could plug him into our team and he could lead our group of guys. And I think Penix could do the same. I think Penix, he always finds a way. He always finds a way. And that, to me, is like something, it's like an it factor that you can't, measure and i granted i thought bryce young had it too i was wrong 
But I, I don't I think, think Penix has that. I haven't given up entirely on Bryce Young. I mean, look at Trevor Lawrence's rookie season was arguably just as bad as what it was Bryce horrible. Is doing. Yeah, yeah. That, that and, is true. I do forget about that. Yeah, they need to bring it. Yeah, we'll we'll get to that around the league in a little bit. But. Most rookie quarterbacks are bad, and yeah. th- that's kind of the point I've been trying to make. Is I think we have a team that's that's gonna be if we get another home run draft class, which is another big if. We're going to have a team that's going to be hitting its stride next year, the year after, the year after that. And at that point, we're going to be wanting a QB that's in his prime. So I I will say this. I am 100% on board with us drafting a quarterback this year. 100% on board. My thing is, this is a deep quarterback class compared to the last like four or five, honestly. Because the last handful of drafts we've had, it's been one or two guys at the top that excite you and then career backups for the most part. Mm-hmm. This class has some people that may be there in round five, six, day two guys, rounds two and three that could start for you. You know, like Jalen Hurts was the second round pick. Famously, Russell Wilson was a round three pick. You know, I look at a guy like Jaden Daniels. He's pretty slight in frame, but so similar as a player to Lamar Jackson. He's played a ton of football. Is he going to be a first-round pick? He might be. He could be. He could be top 10 for all I know. They're but... saying he's a lock-in for the Heisman. So, you, But you never know. You, he could slide into day two. Michael Penix and Bo Nix, there's, there's aspects of their game and their age and all sorts of things to where I could see, especially Penix because of his medical history, he could end up being a third-round pick. And if you could get him in the third Either of those guys, if we find a way to trade back into the second or somehow they fall to the third, like any of those three guys I listed, and even someone like J.J. McCarthy, I am all for pulling the trigger on them in, in one of those rounds. But when I'm looking at what is increasingly looking like a first-round pick that's going to be in the teens and what we can get there, I still think if we could get like the top interior defensive lineman or offensive lineman or edge rusher, some somewhere that just is a or linebacker like we have serious needs at linebacker on this team mm-hmm. and both sides of the trenches where i i think that helps us out more now and going forward but i also i like i i very much see both sides of this argument i just i think if we go all in on a quarterback for 2024 and they're starting immediately we might be worse than we were this year yeah, but I don't you feel like in a way that you've sort of seen enough from Gino? The inconsistencies have proven to be not something that you want to bank on next year and the year after. I think with better offensive line performance, Gino can be a lot more like the guy we saw against the Cowboys and with better game planning cuz like there's not a throw he can't make really. It's mm-hmm. just just the inconsistency part is true, but He's objectively done a really good job avoiding sacks this year. Yes, he, he he's he's he's, a, he's a really good quarterback when he's on, but he's a really like turnover machine when he's off, and it's just like this is I don't know. Sometimes I don't know if I want to risk. I I'm with it. I'm just I'm. There's a big conflict in me analyzing the situation because you you have a guy that has proven in the nfl against you know as tough of a competition as it gets that he can be good 
and he's in his you know probable prime right now mm-hmm. but he is 33 and he has shown inconsistency the rookie is a total mystery box and it's more so than the having the young quarterback itself that that's not so much the problem to me it's what you're not getting a chance at by drafting them in the first round, you know, to the other positions sure. that we still need on this team. And that that's where in the conflict lies it, to me because we have – If another thing is you got to look at the financial side of this. Gino is due like $30 million, I believe, next year. That's a lot of money. You draft a quarterback and maybe they sit for a couple of years. If you get them in the first round, by their year four, they're already making like $28 million a year. Mm-hmm. And they have like – Maybe they suck. Think of how much money Zach Wilson is making this year. Honestly, I think it will all depend, Ryan, on if teams get quarterback draft happy like they did with receivers. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it'll just all depend on where teams are. Like, we, It's too difficult to say. Like, The, it's, the top 10 draft order could be substantially different by the end of the season. Like, It is very hard to project in December. And if the Cardinals are the second overall pick, like... They could be just like they were last year, trading like dangling well, that it, thing over everyone's. Like, and same with the Bears. The Bears were in this same situation last year. Yeah. Do they stick with Justin Fields or do they trade Justin Fields? Do they trade the pick? There's so many things that could happen there. There was there was people so, saying they should trade Justin Fields to the Seahawks. I've been hearing that. And I don't really love that because he gets hurt too much. And, I mean, Gino, the, the things Gino is good at, he's much better than Justin Fields at. Like, Justin Fields is way more mobile. We can have a in really interesting offense with him using his mobility, but Gino's way more accurate than Justin Fields. I don't think that, like, imagine how, like, we get mad when Gino misses a throw. There's going to be way more of that with Justin Fields unless he substantially improves. But right. I, I think Justin Fields can be a good quarterback in this league. But, like, I don't know. I I, I don't like what we would potentially have to give up for him, too. Right. But the Bears are in a situation where if they want to just give him one more year with the best shot to possibly succeed in, they could just trade back with the Patriots and go back, like, two picks probably get quite a haul for doing that because the Patriots are going in on all Caleb, all in on Caleb Williams or Drake May in this hypothetical situation. And then the Bears get Marvin Harrison Jr. And then they get Fashanu, the best tackle in the draft, the best tackle in the last few drafts. That's that's what I would do if I was the Bears because if you suck, well, you might have the number, the number one pick again anyways. Mm-hmm. So you never know. But, yeah, there's I feel like there's just there's too many unknowns at this point in the season to, to really – have a substantial um, prediction on the draft. But mm-hmm. I, I think all options should be on the table. And I think we have to draft a quarterback at some point this year, whether it's in round six or round one, it's got to happen because I'm not interested in re-signing Drew Locke. I, I, I really am not. I To me, the breaking point was that Rams game. You've had a year and a half to learn the system, bro, and you can't get a first down against a mediocre defense with these weapons. I, I'm sorry. I'm I'm not interested. Especially when if you're just drafting a quarterback to be the backup, they're gonna make way less money. So it just it's time. We gotta draft somebody. It's been since Alex Magoo, who was basically a practice squad guy. And then mm-hmm. before that it was Russell. So we're talking really for substantial playtime, it's been eleven years. It'll be twelve by the time we get to April that we've drafted a quarterback. So let's do it. 
yeah yeah i'm totally with you there um i don't really have much else on like us per se uh on the week oh i i did want to bring up what what's going on with jordan brooks is he okay he sprained his ankle i haven't heard how severe it is but that could it's not like a season ending thing i don't think but he might miss a game or two is what it sounds like which is unfortunate because devin bush did not look very good against the cowboys I mean, he tried. We'll give him that, but he was, was bad. <laughs> he tried. It's <laughs> <laughs> about all I can say about Devin Bush is he was a player that played in the game. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. He he was certainly. Um, if if that's pretty much all you've got for around the league in the NFL, I would like to quickly before we end this episode address the trades that be in the MLB and. Uh, Last night, the Mariners made a another subtraction trade, um, and that that consisted of Jared Kelenic, Marco Gonzalez, and who was the third guy? Um, I'm blanking. On, oh, um, Evan White, mm. because he hasn't played on in the MLB. He's been in AAA this entire time, and we gave him a shitload of money for never playing on our team. Um, <laughs> So, in that sense, we're clearing up payroll. Uh, I think it was a little bit north of $30 million. Um, look, I think if, if, if it's not Shohei sweepstakes, if, it's not, if he's not on this roster come, September, uh, come April, I mean, what are we doing? Like, I'm, is there even a point to watching this team anymore if we're just going to be be on the cusp of world series contention and then just get rid of everyone like so far all they have done is gotten rid of our assets yeah i'm still mad about the gino move yeah it's almost yeah the gino era is halfway come to an end (laughs) in seattle yeah and that was the gino that i mean both of them have been on the whole very good for us yeah he's a big part of our team and it's it's also I think it's a problem, too, when you trade. Gino was like a, a clubhouse favorite and a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Like, trading away, uh, it just, it's just a bummer. And I know he struck out a lot, and I know we're trying to bring in less of that this offseason. Um, but, but, man, they better make some moves because my patience is thinning with this with this franchise right and now they're still looking like that franchise that prioritizes you being able to order food on your nintendo ds or whatever the <laughs> fuck we were talking about a few months ago because it's yeah. it's been addition by subtraction so far and they seem about as bright as michael scott in saying that yeah well and This is what I want to see happen over the the course of the next couple months. I want us to bring in, obviously, Shohei, and I want us to bring in Blake Snell. I don't know if you're familiar with Blake Snell. He's a local kid, went to Shoreline High School. Is he Uh, a Cy Young pitcher? Won his second Cy Young last year with San Diego. I didn't even realize he was pitching that good. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I've always been high on bringing him in because he's from here, and it sounds like he wants to be here. Uh, I've keep hearing rumors and reading articles about him wanting to play for the Mariners. So I think if if no one is going to want to come here uh, as far as a bat, no one's going to want to sign here because it's doesn't 
it doesn't get hot until July, then I understand that. Then bring in more pitching, build our strength, and go from there. Mm. And I think, yeah, that's what we should do. And if we don't do any of that, well, then I'm not going to go to the Yankees. I'm right there with you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was pretty much all I had. So, uh and you got anything else, Ryan? No, I, I think I pretty much spewed all of the thoughts I had from Thursday to today, so that's that's it for me. <laughs> Let's hope for a miracle this Sunday, but I almost think long term might be better for just the games. Yeah, but we'll but, see. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thanks for tuning in, stopping by, and uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Yep, catch you next time.